Hi everyone, Chase here. Welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. Today I'm joined by Kat Howell. Um, I'm super excited to have her on the show today. Kat started her own agency in Auckland, New Zealand in 2015 and has since gone on to launch Digital Distillery and the Academy. And I think you have even more than that going on, which I'll loop back to in a second. But your agency is called 8Loop, correct? Yeah, that's right. Hello, by the way. So happy Thanks to be here. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Kat, tell us about 8Loop. What's the origin story? I kind of, uh, well, the origin story is kind of like a non-starter type of story. I sort of never intend, I don't think anyone grows up thinking I'm going to be an agency owner or certainly not when we were growing up was media buying and digital marketing even a thing back then. Exactly. Um, so I, I sort of fell into it and it happened on the back of a pretty big blunder trying to launch another business, which was my first attempt at starting a business. It was an online website. It was called Yeti, but it was spelled with pretty much every vowel in the dictionary. No one knew how to spell it. And um, I thought, I literally thought, I spent you know almost a year getting the website done perfectly. I recruited this web development company. I invested about, I would say it was like 30 or $50,000 getting this Jeez. app and, and site ready. And I literally thought that when I would launch, I would, the, the crowds would come rolling in and I'd be like, like that, you know, that Scrooge duck in my pool of money, <laughs> <laughs> retiring on my private sailboat. And the first day I launched, we had five hits on the website. And three of them were my family, and two of them was me from different IPs <laughs> 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 to like double check that it was working. So it was a pretty, uh, it was a very blunt learning curve for me to, in terms of like digital marketing, going, oh shit, that is not at all how it works. You don't just build a website and they just kind of come. Mm -hmm. sure maybe like one percent of businesses strike a nerve right away but that's like it's like gold digging right in the gold digging days totally one percent of them are going to hit that vein of gold the other are going to have to work their freaking asses trying to find those veins so i i then um started to learn a little bit more uh back then it, with facebook it was really all about like getting followers and page likes and boosted posts and yeah. no one really cared about the platform as a direct response type of, of um, you know, channel. So it was kind of like the intern's job, even at big brands, brands, huge brands, they were just getting the intern to do their Facebook marketing. Yep. And it was mostly about content and there was still a lot of organic, uh, you know, reach back then too. But I started to pick up these skills and I, it, it started to get noticed by people around me. I worked in a business association as a marketing manager back then, doing very different marketing though. And I, I picked up a couple freelancing clients and then it just got to the stage where I was doing kind of, I, I was working really late nights. I was working weekends. I was doing everything and anything. And because I, I was so new to the space as well, and charging from for these services that I essentially almost felt like an imposter around. So I would mm -hmm. be charging like $500 
which is nowadays laughable, but I thought I was ripping off my clients. And because I had that mentality, I would then go over scope with everything. Anyways, I, I transgress, but the point being that I got to the stage where I had to start building out a team. So that is sort of how I, I came to have an agency, 8Loop. And is 8Loop, um, what services does 8Loop offer? Yeah, so initially we did everything. <laughs> and that was another learning curve where I realized, oh, this is like definitely going to blow up in my face if I continue <laughs> down this road. Uh, it was like jack of all trades, master of none. And in many ways, you just say yes to things because I guess you're, you're, you need the cash flow. A, you need the cash flow. B, you're afraid that if you say no, the client is going to look for another partner and you might lose that client. So there's yeah. a lot of like desperation if you don't have uh, confidence in terms of how you generate leads for your business. And that was definitely this, the space I was operating in when I was getting started out. It was all referrals and word of mouth type of stuff. So I was doing content, social media marketing. I was building websites. I was doing community management, email marketing, Facebook ads. I think at one stage we even did Pinterest. Uh, it was just all over the show. And then um, I started to fall into a little bit more of direct response with Facebook with a couple lead generation clients I was working with mm -hmm. and helping them to get leads or customers or, or clients uh, using that platform. And that was right about when the demand started to pick up. Businesses were starting to wake up to it. And I realized I was pretty good at it. Like I had a knack for interpreting the data and I was, you know, uh, really good with the interface. And it was a lot less work for me than creating content and community management and all of that. So that's when we decided to sort of zone in on uh, Facebook media buying. And that's the space we've been operating in ever since. We've sort of shifted niches a couple times since then, but it's all been Facebook media buying. We haven't gone and done anything else since then. I'd love to have this conversation. I mean, we just had our Q&A call and somebody was asking me like, you know, all I hear is I need a niche, a niche, you know, but I've been doing this for, I forget how many years and I never niched and I feel like, am I missing out and this and that. And, um, and I think it is sort of the agency journey dilemma, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this client's asking me about SEO. I don't know anything about SEO, but I don't want to lose them. So it's like, do I hire somebody and now start selling SEO or do I say no and roll the dice? And um, I think going not niche specific, but service specific can be a great way to go about it. If you sort of fall in love with the service or you find, like you said, you had a knack for it or whatever. On a service and you know that is your niche is sort of the service i think yeah i think the key is really getting the processes locked down for one service mm -hmm. first and foremost because once you do that you can start putting other people in place to implement and training other people and then it's not all on you uh, once you have that sort of established then you can go off and build out different veins of your business service offer. So you might say, okay, well, we're getting asked for funnel building or websites quite a bit. 
So let's uh, first of all work with some, recruit some really strong contractors that can actually start teaching us how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then we can develop processes within our agency. So you're not compromising client accounts doing it this way because you're actually putting really skilled talent on the account. Um, but you're also building those processes. But I would say like be very careful about if, especially if you're a very small team or it's mostly you on your team doing all the stuff of going and learning something new to out of fear of losing that client, in my experience will 100% always backfire on you <laughs> because learning curves are very expensive in terms of time and resources and they cost you clients. You may actually lose the account trying mm -hmm. to do that, you know? Yeah. So um, it is, it is risky business. Yeah. Good tip. Speaking of tips and speaking of Facebook, I saw something on one of your pages that said, I think it was a clip from a podcast you did that said Facebook groups are like email lists on steroids. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I obviously I'm a big fan of, of groups. So that has always been a big strategy of mine. And it's something that we help clients with as well. But the reason that I love them, so I, I run Facebook ad hacks, which is a pretty big community for Facebook media buyers. And that group in itself has generated probably about four to $5 million, I'd say in the last two years in revenue. So it's a very lucrative channel for us. And the reason that I, I really Wait, am a fan revenue for you or revenue like collectively for us. Yeah. How do you monetize the group? Yeah. So, so I have the advertising agency. Mm -hmm. I have a lot going on right now. And then I have, uh, so what happened when I was running my agency and I was trying to train. So I got to a stage where I was like, okay, I need to hire media buyers because I can't be doing this all the time anymore. I'm burning out. And I was trying to hire people locally, but it was such a new thing that it was almost impossible to find skilled people. And the people that kind of knew what they were doing were sort of running their own businesses. Right. So I said, okay, I'm going to develop processes on how I run ads. And then I sold it as a course. And the plan was that I would basically handpick the ones that I was like, oh, these people are standing out, you know, for you the agent students. That's so it's like a higher a recruitment channel for eight loop. But that inadvertently without it intending to be ended up being like its own business uh, on its own and, and kind of blowing up as well, because the demand for learning that skill went up and up. Obviously, I'm not able to hire everyone that goes through that, but I still use it as a recruitment tool. And in fact, now we, we help agencies use it as a recruitment tool for the same reason that we did. So there's that business. And then I have the vagina spray as well with my sisters. So there's like oh. a lot going on. Um, but that, so, so the revenue was for that, that training, basically the processes on okay. media buying. And the reason, so just to be clear, when someone requests to join the group, we still try to ask for an email because at the end of the day, you don't own Facebook and uh, you don't know. And, and, and my God, you should never trust that platform. Like they're course, all over yeah. the freaking show. Like <laughs> that is one thing I've come to learn 
uh, working with Facebook is you need to buy a lot of crystals and you need to breathe deeply daily because super random stuff happens, right? Like all over the show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like one minute I'm in Facebook purgatory. The next it's like they do an update Mm -hmm. and everything is hell's bent. Then they're like CBO is being rolled out and then nothing happens. And you're like, (laughs) what? They're just like, they, who freaking knows what's going on? So you should never, ever like put all your eggs in one basket and monopolize, you know, just on any platform, whether it's YouTube or you don't own those platforms. And I think even people that rely on organic traffic have felt that deeply, right? In the last few years, every time Google made an update yeah. and then all of a sudden they lose half their traffic. So we always ask for an email. Uh, when people ask to join the group. But the reason why it works much better than an email is that if you think about it, an email is a one-way conversation. So you're basically just talking to someone and there's no sort of dialogue going on. Whereas inside of a Facebook group, there is a conversation happening. And not only that, um, you can, there's a lot of social proof happening. So people will go on there and say, uh, what is the best, product for this or what is the best thing for this Mm -hmm. or uh if you go in there and go who bought your tickets to this event who's coming to this event and people are saying yes 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 that creates so much psychological um social proof right where it how it creates a pressure right where people want Mm -hmm. what other people have so it's a lot easier to sort of trigger those buyer mechanisms in that kind of environment than by email we have found. Yeah. And then can you talk a little bit about the lift that happens, sort of that tipping point that I heard you mention? Like, yeah, are you still seeing that where Facebook will sort of. It's not as much uh, nowadays, but so they're still promoting groups. So if you log into Facebook, you'll see uh, typically on the right hand side, you'll see they'll recommend groups for you. They'll go groups that you might be interested in. Now that is not paid. So no one's paying to advertise those groups. That's Facebook organically saying you should join those groups. And the reason that it's doing that, because why the hell would Facebook ever promote anything for free, right? There's always an ulterior motive that benefits them. Um, And the reason they're doing that is a, they have uh, groups are far more engaging than pages. So Facebook's ultimate goal at the end of the day is user engagement. The more it can keep you hooked on the platform, the more time it can keep you on the platform, the more uh, it can sell ads to advertisers, the more more exactly more successful it is as a business, right? So at the end of the day, you as the advertiser are not Facebook's ultimate um, goal. It's actually user engagement. Uh, so there's that part of it where groups are definitely, you know, pretty much like the highest engagement point for, for Facebook at this stage. Um, and the second part of it is that they are now that there's so many businesses jumping on the platform. It's insane how everyone is sort of like they want a piece of the pie. Ads are going up. CPMs are getting more expensive. It's just mm-hmm. the thing now. Uh, But the reality is Facebook cannot just go and show you a shit ton more ads, you know, when you scroll through your, it may feel like you have a lot of ads. So, but if it went and doubled that, it would be in trouble. It would lose your engagement, right? So Facebook is in this 
conundrum now where it has huge demand of the advertisers, but it's running out of real estate because it can't really just double up on the amount of ads it shows you because that starts to hurt its ultimate goal. So what it's doing is it's seeing groups as like new real estate. It's fresh real estate to start rolling out um, mm -hmm. uh, ads. Basically, it's new placements, right? So that's why it's promoting groups for the engagement as well as the advertising real estate side of it. Yeah. Interesting. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in addition to being um, Facebook ad ninjas, it's super clear that you guys are also uh, copy ninjas. Uh, I claimed one of your free offers um, in you know getting ready for the interview uh, maybe a week or two ago. And the email sequence that I get or got um, was fantastic. So can you talk about that skill? Is that something that you guys have been doing early on? Is that something that you offer to clients, um, nurture content, nurture creative? I think it's sort of interdependent, right? Like if you're going to be a good Facebook marketer or offer that as a service, you, it's ridiculous to think that all it takes is just good targeting because it's actually part of an ecosystem. So you have to have a good funnel, a good UX landing mm -hmm. page. You know, it has to be mobile optimized and make sense. And you have to understand how to buy traffic and you have to have a good offer. Those are all important. And if those things are not working, then the whole thing falls on its head. And also you have to mm -hmm. have good messaging and creative. So in order to be really skilled at media buying, it's sort of kind of mastery of these four pillars um, or understanding of how to troubleshoot those yeah, and how to yeah. work them and spot the opportunities within them. So yes, create copywriting is a big part of what we do. I would say personally, it's been a, a personal strength of mine because I have always, I read a lot, but I read a lot of nonfiction as well as fiction. So I, I like, I read a lot of stories and mm -hmm. a lot of books and I've always been like that growing up and I've always written in some shape or form. And I think for me, a big realization was someone once said to me, the, the purpose of life is to tell a story with your life. And it's kind of struck, it's always stuck by me, this, this idea, because when you actually think about it, humans are obsessed with stories. Everything we do, the media, everything yeah. we do is a story, you know? Mm -hmm. We're consumed by stories. And it's what makes us so different to other species in a, another way. It's what makes us step outside of our biology because no other species can imagine outside of their biology, outside of this spectrum of thoughts, yeah. right? Whereas we go beyond that and we tell stories. So uh, if you get that and then you realize, okay, well, the key to crafting great direct response or any type of marketing message is actually to tell stories as much as you can uh, then it becomes a lot easier to start to uh, build authority and connect with people and um, establish trust as well as, you know, help help people normalize their own journeys and their own success. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it's why I think you're seeing the trend of longer form nurture content, right? The emails that I got from you or your team 
Um, they're not short emails by any means, but you know, I think people can get scared by that. Like nobody's going to read this 500 word email that I just wrote, which isn't true. If it tells a story, people will be happy to sit there and read through it. And it might even be more effective, probably will be more effective than just the short and sweet. Here's the offer, you know, buy it now or whatever you, you're trying to get them to do. Um, a question I see a lot of is about timing of nurture content. And I saw a really interesting tip um, on one of your Facebook pages as far as sequence timing. Can you talk about that? Oh, the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've, I learned this tip a couple years ago and we've been using it ever since and I love it. Uh, it just makes the process way easier and it makes sense. So the Fibonacci sequence is a natural sequence that happens in nature. You see it it's a mathematical um, equation that kind of happens in seashells and water ripples. It's pretty much everywhere. And the way that it goes is you sum the previous number from the last number. So the sequence goes one, one, two, three, five, eight. Okay, I'm really bad at math, but so on and on. <laughs> no, you got it. You're on track. <laughs> I have it written down in my You're notes here. Like adding the last number from the last. Um, and that's how we space out our workflows. So, uh, so if someone opts into an automated workflow, this is not, you know, emails that we send out weekly and things like that, but this mm -hmm. is an automated workflow. It, they're going to get spaced out by the Fibonacci sequence and it sort of prevents being spammy, especially nowadays, a lot of CRM. So we use HubSpot for our email and, um, uh, I know that about six or seven months ago, they rolled out this thing where if someone wasn't opening your emails, like didn't open a certain ratio of your emails, they automatically unsubscribe them. And then that person never receives emails from you again, even oh, if they wow. purchase from you. So it was a really big hassle in our company because we'd have customers that we need that wanted to receive customer emails but mm -hmm. hadn't opened you know other emails in a high ratio so it was it was causing a lot of issues so for that reason we use that sequence to prevent that sort of situation from happening and you still send out like your weekly edms and those kinds of things you can also rotate back if you feel the need to so go back to day eight after 60 days and go through the flow again yeah. yeah, when I saw it, I was like, wow, I really like that. And then when I thought about the sequence that I got from you, I was like, it works great because you sort of, you know, you get a couple right away and, and then it, you know, tapers off and it, it, it feels like a good cadence. So I really like that tip. And for people that are, you know, stressing about how frequently to send things, I think it's a great easy rule of thumb to remember. Credit um, to Mother Nature. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. <laughs> um, I have two more points, Kat. Number one is um, when I said, I think you have even more going on than that. I saw something about a contractor's database that I clicked into and there was a thing that was like, need a free intern. How, um, how did you set that up and how is that benefiting you? Like, how can I just help you get me a free intern and, and what, you know, what do you get out of it? Yeah, that's the media buying training that we do. So people are investing in their training. And then what we realized was, so we, we work with a lot of agencies as well through the academy. And so we were matchmaking through that. And then it got to a stage where we had like this Excel sheet and I'm embarrassed to admit there's still an Excel sheet involved. <laughs> it's a little bit duct tape. 
but we were getting so many requests and then um, our members, the people that were buying the training were obviously like massively benefiting from this because they're like, shit, these people are teaching me this skill and then connecting me to either land case studies or paid gigs. Yeah. So uh, we were like, oh, well, this is actually a really beneficial part of that offer that we can bring to the table. So that's what, why we offer that. And now we have about like 1,500 businesses going through that database every single month. So it's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, we're trying to like automate everything as much as possible because it was all on an Excel sheet and two guys in the back going like manually matching <laughs> people. And oh my God, it was painful. Yeah. And where do yeah. people go to find that? I think some of our community members would be really interested. So you can, you can hook up with um, interns, employees, right? Like if you're looking for an employee and I think there was a third Contractors, option. And even agencies. So if you, if you don't have a big budget, uh, then you can get hooked up with an intern. Those are beginners. So you just have to be aware of that, but they won't cost you money. They're being supported by our team. They're being trained by our team. So there's that benefits better having an intern like that than someone who's just like rogue, you know? Yeah. Um, and then it goes all the way through like, Oh shit, we just landed a Facebook client in a niche or a space that we're not too confident with, or an account is going downhill. We need an expert to come in or we want to hire someone for our business. So there's like the full spectrum. Yeah. So if they want to tap into that, that's digitaldistillery.com slash directory. Yeah. Awesome. And I think, yeah, cool. Very cool. So last time I want to talk about the Academy, which I, which I think is your, um, you were working with agencies, right? You're training agency owners. Um, and I saw this video series. I didn't have time to watch um, more than one and I didn't even get to watch the whole thing, but it was called pay the invoice. Oh. And it was incredible. The premise of it. So basically you said, Hey, I want to work one-on-one -on -one with how many people? It was seven, seven agency owners. Yeah. Budding freelancers, budding agency owners. So they were kind of at the beginning of their journeys. Yeah. And you were like, you have to come to me. So you have to come down to New Zealand and you have to stay here for eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Two months. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself that like, you know, were you worried that what if I don't produce results for these people? Oh my God. I almost like had a panic attack because I didn't think it through at all. It was just like I had smoked a joint and then I was like, oh, <laughs> it's a great idea for sure. And, and I felt confident in myself, but we really didn't screen those people much. Like we randomly selected them. And then it dawned on me, like literally the week they were arriving and I was like, shit, like what if these people are useless Yeah. and then they don't get results and you know, this is going to like, I crush my confidence and I'll never be able to like, off, you know, I'll never be able to like be in this space again. I'll be too ashamed. Right. right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was shitting bricks for sure. Yeah. So I didn't, like I said, I only saw parts of the first one. How did it end up? Oh, actually really cool. So uh, Amanda is doing about a hundred thousand dollars a month now. And that's wow. in a year that she's gotten up to that. Uh, I think Lewis is at about 40, $50,000 a month. Uh, Derek realized he really loves coaching. So he's one of our coaches now. Um, Gata had the oh, same nice. realization. She realized like she wasn't an agency owner. 
And then Shaw is like crushing it, building like automations and funnels for people now. So yeah, it's, it was, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> so it sounds like it was a huge boost as far as um, the, so what you taught there, is that the academy? Is that what you teach through that? Yeah. The premise is essentially automating as much of your business as possible. So automating your lead generation. So using traffic to get leads in, um, automating the processes that you have inside of your business so that you can start to focus more on your business instead of being kind of what happens to a lot, a lot of us is just mm -hmm. being stuck in it. Um, and, and also concepts like hiring, which is a very, a lot of people think when you're getting started out, getting leads is the hardest thing. Oh my God, wait till you try managing people and building teams. Like that shit will make your hair go gray really fast. <laughs> It's so true. Hiring I mean, it's, people. It's yeah. the hardest. <laughs> yeah. But you can't get past revenue milestones if you don't grow your team, right? So it's like you're going to have to face it at some point if you want to get to, you know, certain levels. Correct. And if you want to, a lot of people started businesses, not only for financial reasons, but time, right? So you mm -hmm. want to be able to take two weeks off or travel for a month and you know, or even just have a freaking weekend to yourself, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, you can't do that if you're, if you're as an agency, if you're uh, the only one. Yeah. So you need a team at some stage. So are you focusing a lot more of your energy on the academy then these days? Is that, are you looking to grow that? Yeah. So, uh, the Academy is a big focus of mine. And then, uh, as I mentioned, I have this new project with my sister, uh, which is also very exciting for me because it's sort of on the back of this really important social movement happening nowadays with, which is the concept of, you know, the more women can come and orgasm, the happier this world is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> a happy wife, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So it's a product play, like a physical product, e-com? Yes. And let me tell you, I have so much respect for people with products because everything I've always done is service and information-based, yeah. where you literally think it and you can sell it the next day. Making a physical product has been one of the longest journeys ever. Really? And it is insane. You have to have like five manufacturers that all coincide at the right time and they all clip the ticket and logistics companies. And yeah, oh my God, it's like I have so much respect for people that manufacture, create their own products. It's insane. Yeah, that's good insight because the grass is always greener, right? Like when you're an agency owner, you're like, oh, if we just had a product and it was like, do you want to buy it or not? It would be so much easier. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, no, if, if I was a smart agency, what I would do is do almost pretty much exactly what I've done. Create a process, really robust processes of the service offer that you have, and then have your done-for-you services, which typically has about a 10% profit margin. That's not, like, not including, that's after your salary and all of that, don't worry. And then roll out uh, a do-it-yourself version, mm -hmm. so an information-based product using the processes of your agency, which typically has about a 20 to 30% profit margin. So that's probably the best freaking business model you can have on this planet right now if you know how to navigate those tricky little things like building teams, automations, yeah. landing leads, all of that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, where do people go if they're interested in the Academy and learning more? Yeah, sure. So they can head to my website, cathowl.com. That's probably the best place. And then obviously I'm inside of ad hacks, Facebook ad hacks as well. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to have to join that group. It sounds like uh, a lot of good stuff going on in there. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Will do. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Kat. Really appreciate it. It was great having you on. Thank you and for having me. Yeah, of course. And we'll see everybody else in the next episode.